You're listening to the Table Church Podcast. The Table is a community in Orville, California that aims to follow Jesus by doing what he did. Love God, love our neighbors, and serve those in need. Find us at thetablechurch.net, Instagram, or Facebook. And now for the message. So you know, we've been in a series called Ship Shape. We are learning about the ships of life, how to get our life, this vessel we have, uh, seaworthy, airtight, ready to go. And then as usual, we have um, questions and answers. We're going to try to do that again, so feel free to send those to us. That's the phone number, 871-9985. Text anytime. We'll hit some questions at the end or type it in the comments. And if one of us sees it, we will try to answer it also. But as you know, doing ship shape, focusing on the ships of our lives. Uh, we've done things like discipleship, hardship, leadership. Just the last couple ones we've done, hardship, worship, stewardship, which is about our finances, was last week. Uh, today we're talking about relationships. And it all kind of boils down to this quote, that all the water the sea cannot sink a ship unless it gets within inside us, and uh, nor can all the trouble in the world sink us unless it gets in our hearts. So we're making sure. We're making sure that our vessels, these bodies, these lives that we are, are forming and growing, that God is maturing, are, are seaworthy, ready to take on the seas of life and the storms of life. Uh, as I said, today we are talking about relationship. I saved it for last, and what a perfect conversation to be having uh, as we are in not having our usual relationships. All the more reason to be thinking about them, but also to be intentional about them. And here is what we are doing as far as um, bad news and good news goes, uh, and what really why we're talking about this. Between God and neighbors, we have no more important of a subject to talk about in all of God's scripture. This is maybe the most important thing God wants us to hear. Relationships. Not only with, uh, between us and him, but between us and one another. I mean, even the Ten Commandments, the first four are about our relationship with God. And the second, the second four or six are about our relationship with one another. We're going to talk about the Great Commandment even today. Um, the bad news, as we normally talk about, uh, goes like this. We like easy relationships. Don't we all? That benefit us and are convenient, right? But we also love to extend love to who we want, when we want, and how we want it. So we love easy relationships, convenient relationships. That's the bad news, that as people born in the fall, the sickness, we are people that love convenience, things that make for easy relationships. I know this is true for me. That's a sun and a moon if you can't see. Uh, my wife and I uh, are, are opposites as far as day and night. I'm a night owl. She is a morning person. And really what I thought for the first 10 years of my marriage was that I needed to try to get her to become a night person or I needed to become a morning person. And it would just be so, our relationship would be so much easier if one of us changed. Right? That I thought this is how we're going to get each other to be in an easier relationship. More convenient is if we could just change how we operate. If she could become a night owl, this would be perfect. But she goes to bed at 7.30, and I wake up a lot later than that in the a.m. And so we struggled because our relationship didn't match well. Also, I'm thinking about our kids. My kids bring me rocks and sticks and leaves, and they think it is so cool. And I do not think it is cool at all. And it's easy for me to just totally discount that 
it's easy for me to be like, this is the uh, least cool thing that's ever happened in my whole day, is you showing me a rock you found in the yard. <laughs> and it's easy for us to want relationships that are easy and convenient and benefit us. And this does not benefit me in the least bit. Not interesting to me. But it's interesting to them, right? So what does that mean as we think about relationships? That they are excited about it, that they are bringing it forward for me to see and hear and talk about. So we need to think about relationships differently, I think. And here's my question for the panel and for you all in your rooms. Can you think of ways in which you struggle with the bad news? In which uh, you like to have relationships that are easy and convenient rather than maybe something that you're called to or something more, something outside of our comfort zone? Well, I'll speak as a teacher. I just want, well, it's also my personality type. If you know anything about Enneagram, <laughs> I'm an A and I'm a teacher. So for me, uh, relationships are just do what I say and you'll be happy. You're welcome. And so the easy, convenient relationships for me are ones that are just like, uh, just do exactly what I'm telling you to do and you'll be grateful later and we can celebrate it later. And, <laughs> and so Absolutely. I, right. So I have to release that of just going, you know, first of all, I don't know everything, uh, even if I act like it. Um, and also, um, did you hear that? Hey, you can record that <laughs> mom and dad you can clip that for later um but also that uh sometimes it takes a softness and a relationship aspect that i am not naturally uh, willing or able to give um and that there are different things uh needed for different people in the way that we communicate and i just think about kids at school and just how each one of them is going through their own struggles and going through their own uh, navigating their own relationships and, and um, just how to be adults like turning into adults and so uh, convenience and ease is not always um, uh, the first choice although when you're when it feels like you're keeping ahead of the herd of elephants you know uh, it's convenience and ease just sounds great in any aspect and so it can sound really great in a relationship too, but it's also not necessarily what we need or what people need. And I'm sure we'll talk about that. But yeah. Mm -hmm. absolutely. Um, yeah. When I'm thinking about this question, I'm thinking that um, about like how I interact with other people, and I know that I struggle a lot. Like if I'm not in a happy space, if I'm not in a good, good healthy space, and I know we'll talk about this later. But uh, for me, it's harder to take on those relationships and walking with people who are going through something. Um, because I'm an Enneagram 3, so I'm a doer, and I'm a fixer, and I want to make things right. So if I'm not in a healthy space, then I'm just taking on everybody else's stuff and trying to fix it for them. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's one thing. I just have to check in with myself a lot and, and do that self-care. Uh, but also, and this is like no plug to like any apps or anything, but uh, piggybacking on what you're saying about like love language, everybody expresses that differently, and everybody receives it differently. Um, and my husband and I are also very different. Um, his is more uh, physical touch, like he wants to hold hands and he wants to be together. Me, I'm just like, do for me, like do the dishes, <laughs> uh, sweep, mop, you know, those kind of things, those tangible, yeah, like yeah. I can see it things. Um, and so just being conscientious of that and like, uh, I, we logged on and we did this little um, quiz, it's called Love Nudge. Um, and so every once in a while it pops up this reminder of like, hey, hold hands, even though, cause it's not a thing for me. It's not something I actually right. think about. 
on the daily, but it's something that um, just lets him know that I love him. Uh, and the same thing for him. If he gets little reminders that say, hey, do the dishes, yeah. <laughs> she'll love that. And so um, just being aware that we don't all love and receive the same way um, and taking that into account. That was the biggest takeaway for me about maybe five years into my marriage. When just doing things called love languages, which I didn't, I don't think is the end all be all of relationship advice, but realizing that my partner doesn't receive love the same way that I do, and I'm wired to love the way that I want to receive love, it, just thinking about the other person in the midst of this uh, is, is super important. Good point. That, that was a powerful book for us, uh, for Julianne and I, before we got married, was the love language book. Uh, because we could figure out how each other receives love the best. And so it's not about how you change your way that you uh, receive it, but how you can give it so the other person is. Uh, and luckily ours lined up pretty well, but um, if that, that's a great resource. If you haven't read that book, uh, it's, it's great. Can I read a quick comment here too? Sure. Um, <clears throat> shout out to the Learner family. Hey, Learners. We love the learners, but Jobel says, I feel like if my kids will just do what I tell them, then they'll be good. I, I totally identify uh, with that, Jobel. But I know it's not right because they are their own people, and I'm here to support them and guide them. Absolutely. I Perfect. amen that big time. Perfect connection point to this question and bad news. Jesus says this when he talks about this bad news. He says, if you love those who love you, why should you be commended? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, why should you be commended? Even sinners do that. Jesus has something bigger for us, but he also lets us know that loving, having relationships that are just based on convenience and ease is not the way that God wants us to live. That there's something greater and deeper in the midst of relational stuff going on with uh, what God has for us. The good news comes from Luke 6. We realize there's a little bit of a glare. We're trying to work on that. I'm going to read this out for us. Uh, Luke 6, 31, 35 through 35. It's 36. Treat people in the same way that you want to, them to treat you. Love your enemies and do good. If you do, if you do, you will have a great reward. You will be acting the way children of the Most High act, for He is kind to ungrateful, wicked people. Be compassionate, just as your Father is compassionate. And I could go deep into this. We know this as the golden rule. Almost every culture and religion has a rule like this. Usually, they're in the negative. Don't do to others what you don't want them to do to you. But Jesus pushes us further outside of our comfort zone. It's a positive articulation of this point. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It requires more from us, not just refraining from hurting them or doing something negative to them, but actually positively reaching out to them and loving them the way that we want them to be loved. You know how I preach, head, heart, hands. There's something that God wants us to know, something that God wants us to feel and experience, and there's something that God wants us to do. And if we can have this head, heart, hands intention, It'll flow from our heads to our hearts to our hands out to the world and make a difference. And the thing that I think God wants us to know is that the best thing that we can bring to any relationship is a healthy and whole self. Any relationship, your kids, your spouse, your coworkers, uh, people you go to school with, the best thing you can bring to any relationship is a healthy and whole self. Here's where I'm pulling that from the scripture. You'll be acting the way the children of the Most High act. Be compassionate just as your Father is compassionate. There is a way, there's a way when we are connected to our Father and our identity is set in Jesus that God's love and the way that God relates to people will overflow in our life. 
that we could be our best self as children of the Father and bring that to any relationship we have. And that'll make all of our relationships in line with what God has for us. There's a way when we are whole that we can love like God. When Christ is the center of our lives, our relationships come into alignment. And we can have healthy relationships with anyone and everyone and in this passage, and even including our enemies, Jesus tells us. So here's some circles. If we make kids the center of our life, that is not the proper alignment how God has designed us to live. That is too much pressure on our kids. It's too much pressure on us. Our kids are not meant to be the center of our life. If we make our job the center of our life, that is not our identity. That is not the identity that Jesus is telling us to have. And it is not the way that God wants us to live. Our partner or our spouse, they are not the center of our life. They are part of our life. They are a major part of our life. God tells us that they are one with us when we enter into union with them. But they cannot be the center of our identity in life. Our family, our lifestyle, you're a hiker, a jogger, a sports player, someone who loves video games. I don't know what it is. This is the center of your life. Only if Jesus is the center of our life, our life is in right alignment. Can we bring our healthiest and whole selves? Can we bring that to all other relationships and all our relationships will be in alignment? So here's a question for the panel, bringing you all back in. Mm -hmm. How do we get whole and healthy? What are the steps, or any steps for that matter? I have a, I have a dear friend. Um, she's kind of a spiritual mentor that I work with. Um, and she, it's funny because we'll, we'll talk and it'll just be like, well, this and this and this and we'll, thinking negatively about this or this or this and uh she'll just go you know what you just need to go and do the things and it's just the things you know and the things are uh spend time with the lord journal read study pray it's the things that we worship sing a song at least for me um it's the things that we know it's yeah. kind of like it's kind of like you know i'm feeling really unhealthy and out of shape and it's like for me, it was like, well, quit eating carbs and start exercising more. You know, it's it, or eat less calories and exercise more. And uh, obviously, you can tell I'm still working on that. Uh, but I'm <laughs> trying. Uh, but I think we all know what those are of yeah. uh, the just the spiritual disciplines. And obviously, like there's ways to learn better techniques. There's ways to you know even in exercising, you there are things that are easier and more built for our personality types. Yes. Um, uh, but it's a it's the same thing with spiritual disciplines, and so for me, it's like when I just need to go do the things. And uh, for me, like I said, it's singing a, a, a heart song, or just listening to great worship music, or um, listening to the daily daily audio Bible, which I now do um, along with Miranda and Aaron. And so um, it's just kind of surrounding yourself in Scripture, just the spiritual discipline, the things, you know, that ground us, that don't let. All the emotions and things of the world toss us and turn us, but keep us whole and connected and grounded. Do you have anything to add, Laura? No, that was pretty good. Except <laughs> for, uh, yeah, I think I wish it hadn't taken me as long as it had in yeah. my life to get to get grounded and to uh, incorporate those things into my life. But I <clears throat> wholeheartedly believe that getting into the scripture every day, the daily audit Bible, has been so helpful for me in just starting the day that way. And I know when. Because I'm going to be honest, like, uh, there's mornings when I wake up late and we hit the door running and we got to be out the door at like 7 or 5 to get everybody to school on time. And so it doesn't happen. And I can tell the difference when I don't, I don't start my day that way. 
everything hits me a little bit differently. Uh, you know, road rage, all that hits me a little bit differently than when I'm in my right space. Yeah, um, yeah and absolutely. It's super important. Uh, and yeah, journaling too, all of that. Good things. Perfect. I think you guys are touching on the very first and most important point, which we led up to this, which is that I think the best way to get your healthiest and whole self is to have a life centered in Jesus. And like, if you haven't done that, if you haven't given your heart to Jesus, this is the best, as good a time as any to be doing that. We won't find our health and whole self unless we do. But there's other steps we could take, like counseling has been huge for our community, making sure the inner work, dealing with those traumas that we have. Um, in fact, uh, if anyone is single and looking to date, I'm, I'm telling people that they should be dating people who are in counseling. Like, figure that out. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> figure that out. Like, people need to own their stuff, then they bring it to their relationships, because the best thing we can bring to any relationship is a healthy whole self. But Matt and I have been in accountability groups in the past where we've asked oh, man, each other hard great. questions. There's just a lot of things you can do. Most of it has to do with relationships and people, where you are just figuring out what's going on in here, owning it, and ask Jesus to heal it. And that's how we bring our healthiest and poorest self to any relationship. We have, a, we have a question. Oh, okay. From Superintendent Mark. We love you, Mark. Hi, Mark. We're so glad that you're here. Uh, <clears throat> how do you recognize when you are not putting Jesus at the center? Yeah, go for okay, it. Okay, 100%. Uh, so uh, we touched on this a little bit earlier, but I'm an Enneagram 3. I'm a doer. Um, and so for me, when I know that I'm not putting Jesus first is when my first thought is, how can I fix this? It's not about how can I bring God in. It's not about how can I pray for this, but it's like, how can I fix this? Yeah. And so for me, wow. I know 100% I'm not bringing God in um, when, he's not, when he's not my first thought. Yeah. When I'm my first thought. So these must be humbling times then, oh, right? Because yes. no fi- <laughs> we can't fix anything around here. Yeah, I hear you. Mine's similar, but I mean different. We have different types here, but for me, it's like, uh, I can do this by myself. So actually, my my unhealth is like, uh, I don't need people. I can figure this out. I just had a beautiful person from the church uh, offer to help me with my new home. And they said, don't try to do this yourself. Accept my help. And that was really <laughs> helpful for me in the middle of my unhealth. So thank you, Amanda. You know who you are. Um, thanks, superintendent question. My second point, what does Jesus want to experience with our hearts? Feel really deeply, uh, uh, feel here. The depths of your relationships give you the highest quality of your life. This is how important this is to Jesus. That our lives will have the best quality when we invest the most deeply in our relationships. I got a couple things for you. Jesus says, if you do these things, love like the Father. Be the Father's child. Get so full of God's love that you can even love your enemy. If you do this, you will have a great reward. The depth and quality of our life is measured by the depth and quality of our relationships. Uh, Matthew 22, we know this as the greatest command. Uh, one of the Pharisees, some religious leaders in the time, came to Jesus and they were trying to test him. And they said, what's the greatest commandment in all of the law? This is a trapping question. And Jesus answers it brilliantly. He replies, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. You must love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. You want to live your life, your fullest life, in accordance with how God designed you? Invest in relationships. Mm -hmm. Love the Lord with your whole self and love your neighbor as yourself. 
And this is how we live in the kingdom of God as God designed us. That's which I just said. Love God with your whole self and love your neighbor as yourself. Every bit of God's word, every bit of God's will for you is met when we invest in these relationships with God, with our neighbor. And the science backs this up. Quick story. There's a Harvard story that study that's been going on since 1938. They took these sophomores from Harvard and they started studying their lives. Every two years, they asked them in, in basic questions. They gave them all the blood work and they did scans when that stuff started coming up. But they also did it to the Boston's poorest kids, 1938, the tenement. They lived in tenements, didn't have hot or cold running water. So they had these Harvard sophomores and some of Boston's poorest young men and they measured them. The study's been going on for 80 years, maybe the longest running study in the history of longitudinal studies. And every two years, they come and do all this work. They talk to their families. They interview them as they talk to their own families. Like I said, blood work, brain work. They do all this stuff, ask them questions about their job, uh, get video of them at their jobs. This is the fourth director of the study. It's been going on for 80 plus years, Robert Waldinger, and he gave a TED Talk. And he said, summing up all of this stuff, he's, I, I pulled out the whole quote. I didn't want to pull out the video in case it messed up the live footage. So let me read this quote to you. What are the lessons that come from the tens of thousands of pages of information that we've generated on these lives? Well, the lessons aren't, that should say aren't, about wealth or fame or working harder and harder. The clearest message we get from the 75-year study is this. Good relationships keep us happier and healthier, period. This, this was 75 year study, was five years ago, now it's 80 year study. And this is the conclusion that they come to, is that the depths of our relationships measure the quality of our life. He says it isn't money, it isn't education, it isn't health, it isn't your status, how much prestige you have, it isn't if you're married or you have kids, he says. They even had a president as a part of the study, who was part of this Harvard study. He ends his whole talk saying this, the good life built is built with good relationships. Life is with good relationships. The highest quality of your life is going to be measured by the depths of your relationships. This is not only found in God's word, it's found in this scientific study. And so my question for the panel here is this, if the good life is built with good relationships, and God says that the greatest, uh, the greatest thing we can do is love the Lord our whole self and love our neighbor as ourselves. What are some practical ways we can begin to invest in the people in our lives? And how do we not give in to the distractions of fame, money, health, wealth, and those kinds of things? So how do we invest in people? Uh, first of all, I've seen that TED Talk. It is really, Incredible. really excellent. Yeah, we'll send the link to that later. Uh, and you don't expect it from maybe like a scientist, sociologist. You know, like, uh, uh, to get the, the answer he did. But as a good scientist, sociologist, he, yeah. he gave the answer that he found, which was it was relationships. And he just didn't kind of expect it from necessarily from a guy who, you know, is real brainy, you know. Yeah, and right. uh, So I thought that, anyways, we'll send the link to that later. Um, for me right now, um, it, at least currently, it's rescuing this thing of just going, so much of my phone is a dis and my iPad at home is a distraction and um, just playing games or just wasting time or just looking at you know silly memes and so much of it uh, it has been that in the 
past. But I feel like right now is really the time that, at least for Juliana and I, we're trying to rescue our devices and use them for good. Because they are really powerful uh, uh, weapons for change in bad ways and good ways. And so for us, it's been like, man, I've never recorded a video of myself talking to my friends until this week. Uh, and I've never, uh, you know, just that's not my style necessarily. I've always been a lurker on social media, just kind of basically wasting time and distracting myself. But now I'm going, man, how can I use this thing to really connect with my friends, inside of my friends? And uh, so at least in our small group thread, um, we've been taking this distracting thing and turning it into something that is helping us connect. And so we're... So that's where we're at right now. I think that there's a ton of good ways of doing this, but for me, it's um, it's just kind of rescuing the devices. Yeah. And even now, we're live streaming using a laptop and using Facebook, which can be one of the greatest distractions in the whole world. <laughs> we're now using it as a way to not distract, but connect and grow relationships. So that's kind of where we're at Perfect. right now. Perfect. Rena, you got anything to add? Yeah, I think when I think about investing in people it's a little twofold for me number one is getting to know those people and you know it could be their love language yeah. whatever it is that lets them know i care about them we're in this relationship together yeah. how can i you know love them well serve them well, whatever it is uh so getting to know folks and the way that we do that is is breaking down that armor is being honest um and sharing the hard parts as much as we share the parts that we share on social media because yeah. there's a lot of stuff that we don't share there um, that we only share with our you know our core people and maybe it's not maybe there's a lot I wouldn't share all that on social media um, and I wouldn't share that with everybody but there's a core group of people that um, they know everything they yeah. know right. uh, when I'm not having a good day and they know what that looks like when I'm not having a good day and I'm not ready to share um, and pry a little bit deeper you don't look like you're in your right space what's going on yeah. um and that goes into that accountability but not letting me you know not letting me ab abandon them not letting me seclude not letting me deal with it by myself but being in that space with me um so yeah so breaking down those walls and right. uh, and and encouraging others to do the same <laughs> i think that's perfect uh a perfect answer of like Maybe one of the ways that we invest in people or we begin a relationship investment is that we can learn to become more vulnerable or transparent. That's a huge investment, especially for people that don't like to let their guard down. Um, I think that's vital. And like you're saying, we're not, uh, vulnerability and transparency are gifts that we give to relationships that we want to invest in and go deeper with. It's not it's not for social media, but it is for people that we want to invest in. Did you start? You have more to add? Yeah, I was just going to say we have a dear friend, uh, Scott Coffer, is the youth leader uh, uh, for Hey Scott, if you're there. Um, but he, he really, if you know him, he is super humble. But one of his strong suits, he thinks, is that he told me is asking the, the question the second time of just going, Hey, how are you doing? And then when they're like, oh, I'm good, but he, he can tell it's just easiest. But how are we doing? Yeah. Of just, you know, going with what you're talking about, of just the, the second. And the other thing, I know I'm talking a lot here, but um, one thing, uh, back to my thing a little bit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to give uh, shout, out, yeah. shout outs to the people that we have watching that yeah. are not from our area. Oh, okay. And so, like my mom's cousin, Jerry, hi, Jerry. she's from Reading. She's she's watching. And then, um, we have Julianne's family watching, uh, watching from uh, Washington, and so, Hi, um, 
it's really cool too to have connections. <laughs> it's really cool to have connection with people who uh, don't live near us too, yeah. and so that's a cool way to rescue our devices. So. Absolutely, good stuff. Maybe some of the ways I'm thinking about investing in relationships is first, uh, first and foremost, is having that mind switch that relationships are important. And there's a lot of things the world will tell us that uh, that are important. That in, in relationships maybe are frivolous or a waste of time. This is really the thing that God is asking us to invest our time in. So that's the, the mind switch is first. And then second, we got to be intentional. And maybe for some people, that means schedule. Schedule people time. Because there's just a lot of, if you don't fill your schedule, your schedule will get filled for you. So how do we invest in people? you got to schedule your people time. And third, maybe with vulnerability, is that like, we got to get past this, like, having, uh, we can't have people over because our houses are messy or stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like, you just have to put in the time. This is why relationships are so hard. It's because we want quick. Is we want pills that make us happier right away, mm. uh, but really in the long run, relationships are messy, they're hard, they take a long time, but they are honestly the thing that's going to give us the highest of life. And so, please, please start investing in relationships. Last thing, what does God want us to do? And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take a turn on us about this relationship <clears throat> thing. But one of the things I was just really convicted about this week when I was thinking about what God wants us to do is that we have to learn. You want good relationships, learn to fight fair. Myth number one, uh, a good relationship has no fights. Not true. That's not at all what is happening about fights. Talk to any counselor you know. It's, it's more about how you fight than how much you fight. So we have to learn to fight fair. That's any relationship. Kids, coworkers, spouse, parents, siblings, whatever it is, church folks, wink. learn to fight fair. <laughs> Ephesians 4, I'll try not to read all of this, it's a wall of text. Each of you must tell the truth to your neighbor, because you are parts of each other, because we are parts of each other in the same body. Be angry without sinning, don't let the sun go down on your anger. You can, you can be angry, but there's a way in which we can be angry without sinning. We can have hard emotions with one another. Don't provide opportunity for the devil, don't let foul words come out of your mouth. Only what is helpful, what is needed in building each other up. Don't have bitterness, losing your temper, shouting, slander, along with every other evil, but be kind, compassionate, and forgiving. So here's what I want you to know about fighting. This is one of my professors from Seattle Pacific. Her name is Brenda Salter McNeil. She's incredible. She, she, her whole emphasis and teaching and study is about reconciliation. Most importantly, about racial reconciliation and how we can get over the original sin of America and our, and our country. But how do we come together and how do we develop true community? And I remember sitting in her class. I mean, she's world renowned, lots, I mean, incredible. I was just so glad to be in her class. And she broke down the steps of how we move from false community to real, true community. And she says, one of the major steps from moving to false community to true community is that when the bottom drops out of our relationship, when we get into a fight, when something happens, we work together to heal. And that we can learn to accept each other in the realness and the rawness of the bottom falling out of that relationship. Essentially, you need to learn to how to have conflict if you're gonna want any relationship to go from false or fake or superficial, maybe is a better word, to deep and true and, and uh, long-lasting. False community only moves to real community when the bottom drops out, there's conflict, something happens, and we work together to heal. So here's some of the keys to conflict. We are wrapping this sermon up. Negative emotions are are important. Don't hide those or minimize those as we learn. We can be angry without sinning. Bring our anger, bring our sadness, bring our fear. 
Don't minimize them. Don't try to hide those. Don't relegate those to the side. No one is always or perfectly right as so beautifully expressed earlier. So even if you think you're totally 100% right, you know that there's an opportunity for you to be wrong. It's not time to stand around and fight to the death. And I get closest, but not not 100%. Like, you were... I <laughs> like you were wrong once, but it's because you thought you were wrong and you were actually a yeah. mistake. Yeah. Acceptance is crucial. People need to know that you're for them before they care what you know or how you feel. Like my mother-in-law, lovely says she says this all the time in a lovely way. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care, and that's true in the middle of conflict. They need to know that you're for them before they can go deep in conflict with you. And lastly, you need to focus on fondness. At the end of the day, we are having this argument because we care so much about each other and we're feeling disconnection and we're missing each other and we really are reaching out towards one another. And so these are the keys to conflict. Have a great fight. Fighting isn't bad. How you fight is more important than how much you fight. If you can keep these keys in line, uh, you are going to have, you're just going to be heads above everybody else. Three last points. The way we fight is more important than how much we fight or even that we fight. Maintain connection through the conflict. Maintain connection through the conflict. And prioritize the person over the problem. Don't get blindsided by the problem. Prioritize the person. And my question for the panel to wrap us up. Who in your life do you like fighting slash arguing with the most? Is there someone you like fighting with? Like, you feel like actually sometimes pretty productive? Maybe even come out closer than when you started? I don't know. I'm going to default to my husband. <laughs> That's great. Go for it. Um, and I think they're hopefully they're watching from home and they're thinking, oh my gosh, Rachel, you really need to pay more attention to what James is saying right now about the, <laughs> <laughs> the no yelling, use the calm voice, all that kind of stuff. Um, but I think what you were saying, uh, and I wish we could go back to those points, but basically about uh, bringing those, those feelings, um, not those negative emotions that they're important. Because I think for a lot of my life, um, I would just put on a happy face at the family function and everything is good, everything roses, uh -huh, yes. And then we would get in the car and it would just be like, yeah. oh, a total meltdown, you know? Um, and so it's it's been a struggle for me to bring that up and to let that come to light. Um, I don't always do it in a delicate way and I don't always do it in a beautiful way. I apologize. For um, but we're in this, I'm in this like, okay, yeah. it's important. And then how do I do it? And yeah, in a, mm -hmm. in a positive way. And maybe uh, that's why you like, you're able, you're able to say you like the best because they've seen your negative emotions oh, and, and yeah. they're still hanging out with you. Mm -hmm. yeah. They've accepted you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Uh, <clears throat> so I love to fight and argue. Yeah. As James well knows, when we were in our 20s, we don't do it much anymore, but when we were in our 20s, we would uh, yell, argue at each other until four in the morning. Uh, Daniel is, uh, James' brother is here, and he's shaking his head. He remembers those times. Uh, so I love to fight. And so um, when God uh, sent me Julianne, he knew I needed something different because she's not a fighter. She knows how to be really soft and caring with me. And uh, she knows how to diffuse me when I'm getting angry, and she knows how to just kind of diffuse the situation. So I'm grateful for that. Um, so I'm kind of sidestepping the question a little bit, yeah, but um, uh, I still do love to fight. But I know that's sometimes it's for sport rather than for actually solving problems. <laughs> and so um, I've kind of released a lot of that. But um, I wanted to read a quote too from our friend Jabelle. Again, she had a great word here. 
She says, for me, relationship is fighting for each other too. Don't quit when things get hard, but instead uh, become uh, each other's advocate. And I love that. Uh, just going, uh, for me, and I think Jovelle too, because we're the same personality type, um, fighting for each other is a cool way to turn it on its head from fighting with each other for sport or just, just because we're strong personality types to going, we're going to fight for people in our lives who can't defend themselves, you know, and um, so anyways. And for me, the person that I felt like I liked fighting with the most, I modeled a lot of these things in that it was a mentor that Matt and I both had, uh, his name was Noel Myers, and his strategy was like, let's have let's have a real, honest, hard conversation. Sometimes it would get very hard, Yeah. but at the end of the day, uh, we both knew that he was for us, yes. there was nothing that we would say that would like make him upset or mad at us. So like we could have real conflict about ideas, what's going on in our life, or relationship advice or how we approach things in life and we knew at the end of the day he was going to be honest and truthful with us he was going to accept our hard emotions he was going to enter into the conflict we might even go home and think about stuff I said but we knew when we get back together that he was going to welcome us and and then our relationship wasn't going to be different even if we brought up our hard emotions so I really appreciate that about him he modeled no one likes to have conflict like he does right but for me I think he modeled uh, how to have deep hard conflict right and still remain in Deep fight love and love uh, fight loud and love loud yeah so questions and answers did anybody send any to us what do we got going on here in the midst of question and answer lots of lots of great comments thank um, you so much for those misty says it reminds her of matthew eighteen fifteen. yeah so we're gonna have to look that one up i don't have that one off the top of my head matthew 18 is generally about um conflict and how we need to someone has sinned against us right. we need to go talk to them that's right three times take a brother or sister with us bring it before the church I don't have any questions here I think we had a good conversation about questions so let me wrap this up can, I, can I say something real quick jump in because I, I just think I've experienced this so others might experience this as you lean into this idea of, of leaning into the the negative emotions and expressing the negative emotions. I think what I've combated a little bit in, in my everyday life um, is that when you start getting into that and you start to um, want more out of those relationships, want those relationships to be deeper, things like that, um, people don't always get it. Yeah. And, you know, especially for, like I said, there was a period of my time where uh, I wouldn't, I would show up to those functions and I wouldn't say a word. And, and so when, you start to say things as they come up, people perceive you differently. Yeah. Um, and I think, so just a word of encouragement to to lean into that. So don't walk away from that thinking, okay, I've got to go back to who I was before. I've got to go back to not saying anything. That, that is healthy. It's not going to be healthy. Continue to lean into Work through it. Like I said, I'm a work in progress. How ways to say that in a way that it is not <laughs> so angry and offensive. Uh, but yeah, really leaning into, you know, loving that person and then uh, building that relationship yeah. even with that you know those negative emotions Absolutely. if I can I, I think one of the things I think you're touching on or at least it's coming up for me as you're talking is there's a, a process called differentiation mm -hmm. where we are learning to be our healthiest of whole selves in Jesus and that means we are stepping outside of those family dynamics and those family triangles mm -hmm. uh, those family roles that we take on as maybe peacekeeper or you know go between or whatever as we become our 
helping wholesale. It's going to disrupt some of those family dynamics, mm -hmm. and there's going to be a lot of pressure to 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 go back. Mm -hmm. But uh, mm. Jesus has something better for us: deeper relationships that go past those roles and dynamics and traumas, so that we can be held in all of Him. Let me sum this up. With our head, the best thing we can bring to any relationship is a whole and healthy self centered on Christ. With our hearts, the highest quality of life is had by the depths of our relationships. And with our hands, just for me, what I felt convicted about this week is that we need to learn to fight fair. It's essential to all relationships, learning to have conflict well and deeply. And here's your spiritual practice for this week, is that I would love for you to take maybe rescuing the device, like Matt said, take 10 minutes a day and get on video or phone with the people in your life. I know you could spend that much time easily on YouTube or whatever it is that you do, but uh, actually use it for what it, we call it, a phone, and maybe call someone in your life and continue that investment. Mm -hmm. Your church, your family, your parents, uh, your grandparents, give them a call 10 minutes a day. That's my spiritual practice for you. Mm -hmm. Matt's gonna grab his guitar and we're gonna move into a time of communion. Would you pray with me? If you have your elements, get them ready. Uh, next week we'll be doing this too. Uh, Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for this word. Thank you that you are uh, telling us, giving us permission to invest in the people in our lives and that even the science backs up that this is how we have a quality of life that you want for us, that you want us to thrive, that you want us to be fulfilled, that you have life for us and it is found in the people in our lives. I know as an extrovert, myself that this is a, a good word but for some people this is a work and I know introverts also love relationships with people but it comes out differently and so as you've made us and as we reconcile how you've made us would you help us to invest in people the way that you're calling us to that we would continue to love you with our whole selves so that we would branch out to try to love our neighbors and communities and even our enemies as you've called us to do whatever that looks like the body the gifts that you've given us Lord, now we move into a time of communion, a time of recognizing the cross, your resurrection, your presence in our life. Father, we come now to partake of these elements, the bread and the juice. Would it be spiritual nourishment for us? Would it be spiritual nourishment for our journeys? Would it be seeds of transformation? praise. Say these things in Jesus' name. Amen.